Hello, and welcome to the Highly Spirited Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie McNew. I love all things boozy and boozy. So this is a show where I bring you some spirit or cocktail history and a ghost or folklore or something supernatural-esque story. So let's get ready to get lit and get scared. Welcome back, my deranged darlings. Is that working for you guys? I don't really think it's working. I want to come up with something better. (laughs) I don't know. Anyways, today we are going to Long Island, New York to explore the history of the Long Island Iced Tea and the Amityville Horror House. I don't really want to do too much true crime on this show, but the Amityville Horror House definitely has some supernatural twist to the gruesome murders that took place there. So that's going to be the angle that I focus on. Let's get into it, starting with the ever boozy favorite drink of drunk aunts and college kids everywhere, the Long Island Iced Tea. The Long Island Iced Tea gets its name because it does appear to look much like regular sweet tea, and it was created in Long Island. But which Long Island, you may ask? Actually, probably nobody is asking that, because if you're like me, you didn't even know until now that there's more than one place named Long Island. (laughs) There is, of course, Long Island, New York, that we're most familiar with. Then there's Long Island, Tennessee, that I had no idea existed. It's near Kingsport, apparently. The creation of this cocktail is rumored to have originated from both. Robert Rosebud Butt claims to have invented this cocktail in 1972 as an entry for a contest to create a new drink recipe using triple sec. His recipe consisted of equal parts gin, vodka, tequila, light rum, triple sec, and a splash of cola on top to give it color, served in a highball glass. The other claim to this cocktail's creation was that it was created during Prohibition in Tennessee by a man going by the name of Old Man Bishop. His recipe also included gin, tequila, vodka, and light rum, but instead of triple sec, it called for whiskey and maple syrup. (laughs) His son, Ransom Bishop, later tweaked his father's recipe by adding lemon and lime juice and a splash of cola. It honestly just sounds like old man needed a boozy-ass drink and threw some shit together, and I'm absolutely supportive of this approach. So there are also some modern variations that use sweet and sour mix instead of lemon and lime or triple sec, and I hate these. Sweet and sour mix is lazy and absolute trash. Don't use it. Any good bartender is not going to use that shit. Just throw it out. It's trash. It belongs in the garbage. Anyway, whichever the true origin story is, your bartender is either going to love you or hate you for ordering this. Love because it's simple and pretty impossible to screw up hate because it requires them to get down six different bottles for one damn drink and that's a pain in the ass also the alcohol content far outweighs other mixed drinks so make sure you can handle it don't turn into needing to be babysat and cut off and just tip well as always especially because they're taking down six bottles for you okay they are enjoyable though i do like a long island iced tea occasionally so we will take a short break and i'll be right back with the amityville horror house What's up, fans and friends of the Highly Spirited Podcast? This is Alan Bishop, the alchemist of Indiana's Black Forest. You might know me from my career in the distilled spirits industry. You might also know that McNew and I have been friends for several years now. I'm a huge fan of the Highly Spirited Podcast, and I know you guys are too. I suspect you might also be interested in what I'm doing over at If You Have Ghosts. 
you have everything. If you're interested in the 14, cryptids, the unexplained, high strangeness, ghosts, and more, then check out our podcast wherever you get yours. Apple, Google, Spotify, and Anchor. We're available on pretty much every major platform. And be on the lookout because I think that McNew and I, we got a little side project coming up that we think you'll really enjoy. Check it out. At 112 Ocean Avenue, Amityville, Long Island sits a gorgeous Dutch colonial style home. A dream home for any young family. But it was the place of nightmares for two families in particular in the 1970s, the DeFeo family and the Lutz family. Let's start with the DeFeos, a rather large family consisting of mom and dad, Ronald DeFeo Sr. and Louise, daughters, Don and Allison, sons, Ronald Jr., Mark, and John. It's rumored Ronald Jr., the eldest child who often went by Butch, had a rather turbulent relationship with his father, even though they worked together and shared rides. On November 12, 1974, Ronald Jr. claimed to be ill and did not go to work. The following day, around 6.30 p.m., he showed up to a local bar called Henry's, begging for help, claiming his parents had been shot. People followed him back to the Ocean Avenue residence, and police arrived. The entire family were found dead in their respective beds, all shot with a shotgun. Butch was taken into police custody for his own protection, as he alluded to his family's murders being a mob hit. After interviewing him at the station, Butch threw out some more stories that were inconsistent with the murders being mob-affiliated. He even later tried to blame them on his sister Dawn, who was only 18 at the time. He eventually confessed, stating once he started, he just couldn't stop. His trial started on October 14, 1975, where he entered with an insanity plea, stating he killed in self-defense because voices told him the family members were plotting against him. The trial lasted until November 21, 1975, when the jury found him guilty of six counts of second-degree murder. He was sentenced to 25 to life in prison. He filed several appeals during his incarceration, which were all denied. He died in prison in 2021. So I know the DeFeo family is not a ghost story, and that's what we're all here for on this podcast. So let's bring in the Lutz family for that. George and Catherine Lutz moved into the Dutch Colonial in December of 1975. They bought it for the bargain basement price of only $80,000. Even in 1975 money, that was a super deal for a five-bedroom on the canal home with a swimming pool and a boathouse. Like, they literally paid nothing for this house. The Lutzes had just married in July of that year and wanted to buy a family home together. They were made aware of the DeFeo murders at one of the first inspections and seemed to not have issues with that being part of the home's history before they made an offer. A lot of the DeFeo's furniture was included in the home sale as well. A friend of George's had told him how grisly the murders truly were, so they decided having a priest bless the house was enough to take care of any negative residual energy before they moved in. While blessing the home, the priest apparently heard an angry man's voice say, Get out! I don't do voices well. (laughs) But he did not advise the new homeowners of this incident immediately. He tried to call on Christmas Eve to advise them to avoid the room that this noise occurred in, but the call was cut out by static. The priest also developed a fever and blisters on his hands following this blessing. Other than that, the Lutz family experienced no weird experiences in the home until mid-January, when they called the priest back to bless the home again. 
Apparently, the final blessing did not work or just angered whatever spirits were hanging around because the Lutzes fled in the middle of the night on January 14, 1976, leaving all of their possessions behind. They refused to talk about what happened, claiming it was too frightening. The following day, a mover came to pack up the house and said he did not have any paranormal experience while packing up their belongings. The family recorded 45 hours of tape recollecting the horrors they endured in 28 days they stayed in the home. The tapes were transcribed, then were turned into the famous book by Jay Anson, which was later turned into the iconic movie, The Amityville Horror. Things the Lutzes claim happened to them were George waking up at 3.15 every morning, the apparent time the DeFeo murders took place, one of their daughters developed an imaginary friend, which they claimed was really a demon entity. Kathy claims to have levitated above her bed, among other disturbances. There have been several controversies whether or not the Lutzes were telling the truth or if they fabricated the whole haunting for a financial gain. There have been several lawsuits over it, but George Lutz maintained the horrors that happened to him and his family were true throughout his entire life. Daniel, the son of Kathy Lutz from a previous marriage, does believe the home was haunted, but not because of the DeFeo murders, but because of his stepfather's dabbling in the occult. <laughs> he makes these claims in, in the 2013 documentary, My Amityville Horror. The home sold again in 1977, and those owners have never reported anything paranormal or weird happening on the property, except for tourists trying to come by and see and photograph the house. They changed the address from 112 Ocean Avenue to 108 Ocean Avenue, trying to deter tourists from finding it, which I don't really think did them much good. <laughs> so what do you guys think? If you've seen the movies or the documentaries, is the house haunted or cursed? The rumors that it was built on ancient Indian burial ground have since been de debunked by native leaders. So that's out the window. It really was not built on burial grounds. But let me know what you actually think. Do you think like Ronald was possessed? Do you think, you know, that same spirit got to George because that was kind of a common thread? I don't know. I think it's creepy. Anyways, let me know what you think in the comments on Instagram or just send me an email, whatever. We'll wrap this up today and I will see you guys next week. Cheers.